Looking for inspiration and ideas to achieve your ideal retirement? You're in the right place. I'm Angelica Bell and this is Rewirement. Today we're heading for the hills, or should I say, the beach views, waterways and open roads. That's because we're meeting amazing individuals who have relocated in later life. Hundreds of thousands of people do it, so there's no reason why it has to be a pipe dream for you. If relocating or emigrating is on your bucket list, you probably have more than a few questions about how you can afford it and whether it's wise in the world we live in today. But I'm here to help. Maybe you dream of living abroad but don't know how you'll manage healthcare. Or perhaps you want to buy a second home but aren't sure how you'd fund it. Maybe you just have questions about your pension and benefits if you leave the UK. Whatever it is, I hope you and I will be a little bit more clued up in the next 30 minutes or so. I'm going to be chatting to Legal and General's Andrew Kale and author Celia Dodd for their advice on everything you should be thinking about ahead of your next big move. And I'm really excited to introduce our colourful retirees for this episode. We'll be speaking to Tina from her home in Spain a little later. But first, let's meet Jennifer. Jennifer and her husband have lived on their narrowboat, Roma, for a decade now. When the county council they both worked for offered voluntary redundancy during cutbacks, they retired at the same time and made the decision to sell their home in Hertfordshire and buy a new one on the water. I think you should tell everyone listening where you are right now. I'm on a narrowboat where I live. So tell me why you have decided this is the way you would love to live. Uh, Well, I grew up in um, Sussex in Chichester, so I've always lived near the sea. And my husband and I have always said that when we retired, we'd either live on the water or by the water. So we looked at it and we said, well, if we sell the house, we can buy a narrowboat and retire onto a narrowboat. And that's what we did. So you just took control, took control of your money. And so this is what we want to do and just did it. Yeah. Yeah. We sat down, worked out all the figures and said, you know, if we do this, then we'll have no mortgage. Obviously, we've got the expenses of running the boat and boat licences and that sort of thing. But we sat down and we worked it all out and we worked out that with our pensions that that we could afford to do that. And still have a nice holiday every year. <laughs> we, we go we go on a cruise every year, funnily enough. We go back onto another boat. Well, exactly. So it, was it also about quality of life? Definitely, definitely. I mean, it's not easy. You know, it takes its toll on you physically because when you are out, if you're on the canals, you've got to keep jumping on and off and work the locks and they're heavy and they don't always work properly. <laughs> So it's quite physical, but that's good at our age, you know, to keep us going and it makes us get up and out. You know, we're not sedentary, Mm -hmm. but it's out, you're out in the fresh air all the time. You know, my husband and I both ex-forces and so, you know, we're used to being nomadic anyway. So what sort of community do you have living on the water? You've got people from all walks of life, you know, some are university lecturers, we've got actors we've even heard that Harrison Ford likes going on one when he's over in the UK I don't know how true that is but people have said they've seen him on the boats (laughs) but you've got you know people who are living hand to mouth as well you know who are totally off the grid who want to be off the grid and everyone gets on with everyone you know there's no 
snobbery about it. Everybody helps everybody. If you moor up near a boat for the night, they'll come and say hello, you know, and have a chat, especially if there's dogs around. <laughs> dogs are the great, great communicator in boaters. Everybody seems to have a dog. Well, I guess with your ex-military background, being on a boat probably really suits you because you, you have to move from bases to bases and travel a lot. Because I know some people just like to be in one place, know where they're at. It suits different, you know, horses for courses, isn't it? We were both in the RAF to start off with and then my husband transferred over to the army. And in the 22 years that he did with the forces, we moved 11 times. In the end, if you stayed anywhere more than two years, we I started getting itchy feet. Now, you've alluded to being quite financially savvy, Jennifer. But tell me about the moment you retired. What happened and what decisions did you make? So we looked at what finances we had because they'd said they'd give us access to our pension as it stood at that time. So we looked at that and we thought, okay, once we've sold the house and how much a boat would cost or how much it would cost to run the boat. And we said, yeah, you know, that'll work. We've got our military pensions as well. So that worked quite nicely. Mm. You're always on top of your money and your budgeting stuff as you go along. I haven't always been. (laughs) (laughs) There are times when we've almost been hand-to-mouth in the old days when we were young and had young kids. And my husband was diagnosed with cancer. So he was out of work for a few years. So during that time, it was a real struggle. But, you know, we... We scraped through that. So I suppose part of it then is is not wanting to go back to that. In the old... I mean, I look at my parents and and my husband's mother, you know, who survived just on a state pension, you know, and she was, like, on £50 a week and having to pay rent and find food and she couldn't afford anything. And we always said we wouldn't do that. So when we came on the boat, we said, right, we've always got to keep enough money for a major repairs. I love it. Your children, you've got two children. What do they make of it all? They both think we're crazy. (laughs) So tell me about your plan for later in life. Yeah, long-term plan is stay on the boat as long as we're able. And I've always said to my kids, next stop is the nursing home, so they better (laughs) save up now. (laughs) You don't say that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Obviously, obviously. Do you know what? Is there anything that you would do differently as your younger self in terms of preparing for your retirement? Yes, start sooner. I think if we were trying to struggle on on a state pension, none of this would have happened. And in my day, you, your employer didn't have workplace pensions, or not many of them did. So, yeah, pay into it. Don't opt out. Pay into the works pension and make sure that you've got enough to live how you want to live. Decide how you want to live when you, when you eventually retire and make sure that you've got enough money to afford that. And I know it's really difficult. If somebody had told me in my 20s and 30s, make sure you've got a pension for when you retire, I'd have laughed, you know, and said, oh, that's, you know, years away. It probably is for a lot of people now. But I'm really pleased that we're not having to chase a pension anymore. I suppose another good piece of advice, if you can live on a narrowboat, is make sure you get on with your husband or partner. 
or have somewhere you can go where you can scream and then come back. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny says the only downside to life on the water is not having as much storage space as you do in a house. A small price to pay for the idyll of living on the water if you're a keen boater, though. I love how she and her husband still make sure they can take a holiday away. They have a cruise booked for the Caribbean later this year. Next up, we meet Tina. Now, Tina started planning her retirement in Spain many years before finishing work at 55. She told me how smart planning helped her and her husband have the life of their dreams on the Costa Blanca. I actually reside in... Calanutha, Ventilanutha, and that's just outside El Campeo and Villayosa. And for all you happy Benidormers, it's about 20 minutes away from there. I've actually been in Spain for over 20 years, and whilst I was working, I bought properties for investments for my old age. It was a struggle at first, but I'm reaping the benefits now. I'm in the process of selling some of my assets to actually fund my lifestyle as I go into older age. I mean, I did retire at 55 with the intention of building a pension pot up so I don't have to rely on state pension. And I think if people are going to come to Spain, they need to plan for that. Tina's move wasn't an impulsive one. When she retired at 55, she had already been planning her Spanish emigration for 20 years. I started this process in my 30s, early 30s. I bought this this little two-bedroom house, which is just five minutes from the beach. We then sought to buy a bigger property for our retirement, keeping this, of course, and our idea was to rent it out, which we did whilst we were working because... Even if you're working, you've still got bills at home to pay and you've still got to pay bills here regardless of whether you're here or whether you're not. So we had a small income from here which ticked this over and then we bought a villa. We've got fabulous views but we had 59 steps up to the front door which is quite large. But when you're young, that 59 steps is really not a lot. But as you're ageing... 59 steps is like a mountain to climb just to get to your own door. So that's not really suitable for us anymore. So we have to sell that, really. By starting early on her investments and working consistently, Tina and her husband were able to secure the lifestyle they have now. By getting clear on what she wanted for later life, Tina was able to make short-term decisions that have paid off long-term. So what advice does she have for others who might want to move to Spain. You know, if you're going to buy a villa, just be very careful in what you're buying. Look out, make sure that there's heating, number one, because there's always something that's going to go wrong with the villa. It's always cold in winter, fairly hot in summer, so you need aircon, hot and cold. And you really need to look around to see in your location if there are any services such as shops, restaurants and bars because that's important as you as you get older because you know you need to walk to these and you don't need to constantly drive the language barrier is a big problem for simple things like sorting out the electricity problem it's 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 a it's a big problem because you don't speak the language properly shopping's not too bad but if you go into a market that's that can be a problem 
because nobody's going to speak your language. And as you get older, and because you're working and you're concentrating on other things, you don't always have time to learn the language because you've got to put a lot of effort into that. I would recommend anybody who's coming to Spain to really think very, very seriously about learning the language. There's a strong expat community where Tina lives. She says being able to get along and enjoy meeting like-minded people is important when you're starting over somewhere new. You do tend to meet like-minded people. I mean, round here, everybody knows everybody because it's a very, very small urbanisation. I mean, it's only about 62 two properties and it's divided into into two halves. So on this little half here, where, where, where I've got a property, there's only about 40, 40 houses and there's a lot of different nationalities around here. Some people have got a, a different attitude towards life and their cultures are quite different to yours. So you have to be a bit lenient in that way. Tina loves to walk her French bulldog puppy Gizmo locally. But that's not something she feels comfortable to do on an evening in the UK. Well, if I was in England, I certainly wouldn't take my dog out on my own. And I tend to, when I'm in the UK, not go out after seven o'clock. I'm in the house because I don't feel comfortable. I'm here on my own at the moment and um, there's a bar up the road. I go there quite frequently. I, I take the dog, of course, because, you know, you've got to take someone live with you. So you, you, don't, you don't feel like Billy No, mate. I've got no problem with going into a bar, having a glass of wine. I don't care. They just give you a half a beer. They don't bother you and whatever. And there might be a few holiday makers there, you know, a few English people. And then they start talking to you. So, you know, because everybody's happy. They're all on holiday. <laughs> But Tina says understanding the different expenses is crucial to planning for your retirement abroad. She's 59 years old, so has a little way to go before she can claim her state pension. And the rules for healthcare are different in Spain. If you're under 65, you have to pay for your own healthcare. If you're going to stay here for any length of time and become a resident, the cost of healthcare here is not cheap. And people think it's going to be a bit like the UK. You know, you, you arrive and, you know, whatever, after a couple of months, you're integrated and, you know, you can access their health service. Well, it's not, not here, you can't. You have to pay before they'll actually do anything for you. Or you have to show you've got means to pay for the treatment. So for somebody like me now, healthcare, I'm under 60. And this year I've paid €1,200 for the healthcare, which is not a lot, you might think. But it's unlikely that I will actually access any healthcare here, simply because at the moment I'm in very good health. I do think that the cost of living is more expensive here than it is in the UK. I mean, an average shop here would be for one person, or no, two people, about 90 euros well lamb is very very expensive you know you can pick up a, a piece of lamb in the uk for seven pounds over here that's going to be about 20 to 27 pounds fish is very expensive here the general cost of living is very expensive here soft furnishings my god even now i bring over curtains and cushions and, and things like that because they're three times as much over here. I'm just going to put the thing in because it's raining, believe it or not. People come to Spain and retire to Spain thinking they're going to get sunshine 365 days a year. 
One more thing Tina highlighted was the importance of mentally preparing to live some distance away from family and old friends. When you do come out here to live, everybody wants to come, everybody. But after a couple of times, they, they, you know, they've had that, they've done that, they don't want the holiday anymore. And I think families do drift. My advice would be to, to anybody who's thinking of doing what I'm doing is do your research. Don't always settle for the first place you see and always look to the future because if you're 30 or 40 or even 50, you could be very healthy and there are things that won't phase you. But then add another 20 years onto that and then put yourself in that position and then look back. If you can, if it's possible, get an understanding of how that particular country works because each country have their own cultures and the way they operate things you know simple like things like electricity water they all work differently think very very carefully where you're buying and how long you want to stay there and also think about how you want to leave that asset to your family or whoever because they will pay inheritance tax on that and that's really a massive chunk of your hard-earned money. It's fabulous to hear how Tina and Jennifer took the leap and fulfilled their dreams in retirement. I hope that's inspired you. Some really wise words from Tina about thinking about how that transition impacts your relationships with family and friends back home. It sounds like having a great community and building friendships in your new place is a really important part of relocating later in life wherever you choose to go. Now, Tina and Jennifer have raised some important questions that they've both had to navigate. From deciding to sell the family home, to looking at how healthcare and state benefits work when you're abroad, there's a big practical side to work out for such a move. To help us find some answers, I'm joined by Legal and General's Andrew Cale, CEO of Legal and General's Retail Retirement, and author Celia Dodd. Thank you so much for joining me. Celia, you've written a book called Not Fade Away about how to make the most of retirement. What inspired you to write this book? Well, I was really interested to know why people dread retirement so much, because it should be the best time of our lives when we can do exactly what we want to do. And it seemed to me that there was a kind of mistaken link between ageing and retirement. And actually, retirement is all about changing. It's not really about ageing at all. I set out to talk to, I talked to about 60 retired people from a train driver to a top fashion designer to find out the mistakes they've made as well as the successes they've had because I think that's a really good way of working out what works for you you know hearing other people's stories about what, what worked for them of course retirement's changed it's changing all the time as you know you don't have to retire people now are doing all kinds of different things they're not retiring they're doing part-time work so there's a huge amount of choice and I think people can feel a bit bewildered by the choice so I wanted to sort of guide them to make really good decisions to make the best of, of what could be a fabulous time of life. Well, you highlighted something that I've been talking about with my friends a lot since they've heard I've been doing this podcast. They were like, retirement, you know, it's it's one of those words which has this stigma attached to it and something that you will be, you know, years down the line. And it's made them think about it and assess what they want to do and who they want to be. And I think one of the things you want to do is to allow people to think about new possibilities for themselves at whatever stage of their life. 
Absolutely. You know, life is full of possibilities. But as I say, I think people can think of retirement as quite a passive phase. It's pipe and slippers. In fact, you've got to be more proactive than perhaps you ever were at work. You've really got to, you know, seize the hour and, and kind of look at or investigate all the possibilities and maybe make mistakes. See mistakes as experiments and, and a way of working out what you want to do next. But, yeah, I do really want to, to allow people to see all the wonderful possibilities there are out there. Well, Angie, I want to bring you in now because thousands of people choose to have a long-term change of scenery when they reach their freedom years. So what sort of locations do people head for most? Because it's not always sunshine and sand, is it? Yeah, so many people have a plan to relocate when they retire. And I think we've seen with COVID, that started to change it as well. You know, people feeling that they want to move away from cities or be closer to families. So the reasons that people want to relocate, yes, they could be sort of by the sea or doing something different, but there's lots of other different different reasons too and actually some research we've done recently at legal and general shows that over three million people in the uk 50 and over are thinking now uh, as a consequence of, of covid19 of, of relocating uh, in retirement oh wow we did some work last year looking at migration hotspots where were people going in the uk the southwest dorset tropsir and wiltshire were the top ones and interestingly we were seeing some migration away from cities so large cities like London, Birmingham and Bristol, people were moving out to, to quieter pastures. I think with COVID and the ability to operate uh, remotely, that trend will likely continue. Cecilia, what do you find as being the most common challenges people face when relocating? Well, I think finding new friends and new social networks, which kind of go hand in hand and, and finding new stuff to do, which is a problem when you retire, wherever you are but establishing yourself in a new place. And I think the biggest challenge is that transition. So the first couple of years when you've sort of left behind things and you're probably still missing things, but you haven't yet sort of found all the new stuff. I think a lot of people find the actual move is quite a good bridge between the old life and the new. The whole kind of, it's a project in itself, if you like, you know, making the house nice, the garden, that can work really well. Again, it's essential to be proactive and maybe do your research before you go. Mm. Now, one thing that comes up a lot is that there's this uncertainty of financial needs when people do want to make a big change in their life. What sort of things should we budget for if we're moving somewhere new in retirement, Andrew? Well, I think it's, it's, it's retirement more generally. I mean, you have, to, you have to plan this really carefully. I think if you start to relocate, um, there's, there's some really obvious things you need to think about. I mean, the cost of living of where you're going to be and the type of retirement you're going to have. So what are you planning to spend your money on? We heard Tina talk about how they need to, to, to think about steps and that, that you know, this is, if this is a property or a, a location you're going to be in later life, the way you'll use that property in later life could be quite different. And so some really practical things like the accessibility, the location, the convenience of the where you choose to relocate to is is really important and, and another really obvious point we shouldn't overlook it accessibility to utilities including healthcare. and then the final one i would say is you know where do you want to travel to and family if you if you've moved if you haven't moved to somewhere remote because that's your idyllic location who are those loved ones you're going to want to get back and see and of course making sure you budget for those travel costs if that's going to be something that's important to you Mm. Also, moving on to talk about Jennifer and her husband, they were really brave in selling their house because they'd always wanted to retire in the water and, and they did it. But there are some financial options for people who want to keep their bricks and mortar as a safety net, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, there are. I mean, it's 
as ever with retirement, you need to think about, you know, how you're financially going to, to, to do what you want to do. But a market that's uh, changed very significantly in, in recent years is the lifetime mortgage market or the you know, retirement interest only market where you, you can now stay in your property until you move into care or uh, until the end of your life. And but you can you can get funding based upon the equity in that property. And that's becoming a, a sort of a very well used product. Yeah. So they don't have to actually sacrifice everything they've got but they can release some money and still enjoy what they want to do in, in the amazing years of their life. Absolutely. Now, Celia, both Tina and Jennifer have made new friends and found a supportive community to go with their new lifestyles. How important is this in later life? And what sort of organisations can you recommend people take a look at to find like-minded connections? I think it's absolutely essential wherever you are, but obviously it's particularly important when you've moved to a new area to feel that there are people around you who would step in if you had if something went wrong I mean if you got locked out of your house something minor or if you had an accident you really want to feel you've got a supportive community and good friends I think people struggle with identity in retirement often and friends are a really good way of um, building your self-esteem building your sense of yourself and new friends in a new environment can really encourage you to try new stuff. You know, they, they see the new you, if you like. Obviously, friends are life enhancing. They're wonderful. And um, they're what we all need. So I think it'd be good to hit the ground running before you retire by looking at organisations. I mean, there's obviously things like classes. Universities do a lot of higher education classes now. But learning alongside people is a really good way to get to know them think about something that you have always wanted to do perhaps had to give up you loved as a child and just start somewhere you know local community websites are also a really good place to start you know they're now great they're full of all kinds of different um, activities and events and also volunteering actually volunteering is great volunteering now isn't just working in a charity shop although that can be great fun it can be targeted to your particular skills and interests. And that's a great way to meet like-minded people of all ages, which I think is quite important in retirement, not just to meet people who are all the same age as you. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think we forget that, you know, in each of our lives, we go through cycles of friendships, you know, whether it's school, university, we're always having to to meet new people and they come into our lives for different reasons, whether, you, you know, starting school, the school mums, it's just another phase, isn't it? And an exciting phase. Absolutely. It's a, it's a really exciting phase. One of the best things about relocating is that you're going to meet fabulous new people. And that's incredibly stimulating and uh, rejuvenating, actually. It's wonderful. Now, Andrew, if you are thinking of moving to another country, what sort of things do you need to consider to make sure you have the money you need as you age? Make sure you get proper advice from an independent financial advisor to think this through because there's the budgetary planning you can do yourselves and the lifestyle that you know you want, but you can and need to understand how your pension, particularly UK pensions, will translate into those overseas territories and whether there are any issues or complexities you need to factor in, whether that relates to your state pension or your private pension. So I think that advice is critical alongside, as I said, you really carefully researching where you're going, cost of living and the type of retirement you're expecting to have with some of those additional costs factored in. If you've got a couple who've got two totally different ideas of what they want to achieve in retirement or where they want to relocate, how can that be sorted? Interestingly, there was a 
just such a couple that I interviewed in my book. And they went away to a hotel for a weekend and sort of hammered it out by quite a logical process of working through all the pros and cons. I think that's the thing. If you sit down, go away separately, write down all the reasons why you want to move to a certain place. And then you come together and see where you can compromise and see where there's overlapping areas. Then just sort of hammer it out because... Both of you will have good reasons for doing for doing some things and bad reasons. I mean, this this particular woman had a, a, a complete obsession with living in the Lake District, although it was completely impractical. Her husband wanted to sail in the sea. I mean, he wanted to do sea sailing. So he wanted to move somewhere completely different. So in the end, they did come to a very happy compromise. But I think you just have to sit down and talk to the other person and listen to what they say and be open to new ideas. I think that might be an unlucky couple. <laughs> I'm just thinking in my household, my uh, my wife would say rule number one is listen to the boss and rule number two is when in doubt, refer to rule number one. So I know what, we, I know what we'd be doing. I'm going to use that on my other half. Thank you for that, Andrew. <laughs> Sounds like keeping your options open by planning ahead with smart finances is crucial to enjoy living wherever you want in your retirement years. And if you know where you'd like to be when your retirement adventures start, why not start planning now? You can find all the links we've mentioned, plus more great tips and information on the website at legalandgeneral.com forward slash retirement. Next time, we're hearing about people who found love in later life and had to think again about their finances after relationship change. Join us for sound advice from the experts on new love, planning and navigating conversations with your children. It's quite magical to be honest with you. I can't believe that I can be lucky enough at 66 to find romance again. I'm Angelica Bell. Follow Rewirement on your favourite platform and I'll catch you next time.